Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I love baptism nights. There's just something powerful. Look at it, stand up baptism team. Amazing. Look at these shirts, man. Those, that's just a cool color. Ba- look at them. Getting more than a baptism team, we're getting a baptism army. Come on. <laughs> Baptisms is all about putting, putting the old life behind. In fact, on those shirts it says all things new. Putting the old life behind and coming in to all things new. And the Bible says in Romans 13 that we are to put on Christ. That we are to put on Christ. He becomes our, our new covering. He becomes our, our new garment. And it's a garment of light. And I want to read it for you, verse 11 through 14. This is all the more urgent. Interesting. All the more urgent. For you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up. Awaken. For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity or in immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord, Jesus Christ. Put on Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Powerful, powerful. Leaving the old behind, putting on something new, putting on this armor of light. It's, not just, it's just, not just regular clothing. This is a suit of armor that we get to wear, the armor of light, to protect us against, from, against every dark thing. Any dark thing that presents itself cannot stand in the face of light. So if you put on the armor of light, whatever dark place you walk into, that darkness has got to go. The darkness doesn't have authority when you're wearing the armor of light. Now, I'm not saying this to, to encourage you to go into a bunch of dark places for no reason, But if God has called you into that place, then have no fear. You're wearing the armor of light. That darkness cannot penetrate the armor of light. It is required to flee. But the urgency about it, the urgency, what what, kind of blows my mind is that this scripture was written almost 2,000 years ago. And he was saying back then that there's an urgency. So how much more even now that there's an urgency for us? How much closer are we to that day, the day when the light shines the brightest? But that what this really means is that from then until now, each one of us needs to have a sense of urgency. Every single one of us needs to have a sense of urgency about putting on Christ. It's applicable to us in this time just as it was applicable to them 2,000 years ago and every generation since. The church of Jesus Christ has existed for every generation from then until now because people choose to put on the armor of light. People choose to say yes to salvation, say yes to Jesus Christ, say no to darkness and those evil desires that so easily ensnare us. So we have this new clothing and we have this new image, this new image that we're, we're putting on ourselves. And that's what I want to talk about tonight, the image, the image that we see ourselves as, the image that we project to the world, the image that is, is our nature, 
And there's a tricky thing about the image because there's the way that we see ourselves, there's the way the world sees us, and then there's the way that God sees us. And, and really, the, the, the image that we have is a combination of all of them. We can't just toss out what the world sees about us and how the world sees us. There's certain things that we can, we can get rid of, but it is important to, to understand how the world sees us. And I'm going to talk about that in a little, a little bit. But there is a right way and a wrong way to look at ourselves. How we present ourselves to the world does matter because we have been given the Great Commission to go into all the world. So if, if the way that we present ourselves to the world is harsh and rejecting and, and, uh, and not dripped with mercy and grace, then how many people are, are we going to win for him? How many people are we going to convince about the goodness of the armor of light? But there are different value systems. There's different value systems than what the world has and what the word has. And so we define our, our value system by what the word says, and that's how we're going to define our image. In our image, the title of this message, in our image. And uh, I wanted to start off with a little bit of fun. Um, you know, uh, about 10 years ago, there was kind of a fad going around of, of posting a doppelganger. Anybody know what a doppelganger is? You post somebody that, that you look like or they look like you and, and usually somebody famous. So I thought it would be a good idea, kind of fun, to post some doppelgangers of some of the El Cajon heroes. <laughs> and we're going to start off with a couple of kids' church heroes tonight. This is a double header, and you'll, you'll get that in a second. Um, but the, one, of these, one of these mighty men is a, is a, is a powerful athlete. He's a, a natural leader. Um, and the other man, I think he serves in kids' church because uh, he just never wants to grow up, kind of like Peter Pan. So let's put up this first uh, doppelganger. <laughs> David Macon with his, his brother, Fernando. And, uh, and, and this is not Robin Williams. It's actually Jesse Houston who's been serving in kids' church for many years. I will, say, I will say that Facebook knows how to market to me because I bought that shirt when I, when I uh, saw it pop on my Facebook feed. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and so can the Padres in Jesus' name. This next doppelganger is of a, uh, of a veteran in our church. He's a, he's a mighty man. He's, um, uh, we'll just say, a connoisseur of chocolate. Uh, he's a fisherman. He lives life to the fullest. Can we put up this next, next doppelganger? <laughs> Might be a shrimp boat captain. Stanley, Stanley Baker. I love you, Stanley. <laughs> a legend. Speaking of legend, this, uh, this next lady has a beautiful smile. Uh, she loves to laugh. She's, she's the, the life of the party, a social butterfly. Can we put up our next doppelganger? <laughs> Beautiful Kelly. Like she, we, we love her so much, and she is, she is so much fun and looking very fabulous and fashionable, I might add. So a lot of these, a lot of these doppelgangers actually were, were given and, and created by some of our other leaders. So I thought it was only fair to honor the contributors as well. Um, so this next, this next one, he, um, he, he likes to impersonate Eminem a lot, but I actually think he looks like a different front man. Can we put up the next one? <laughs> I 
And since Coral snuck into that picture, we'll go ahead and put up her neck. Don't call her a housewife. But she is a boss communicator, a boss planner, amazing woman of God. And, uh, and some of our other contributors that, that actually added most of these, this, uh, this next woman is never lost. She's a great planner. But she does look like somebody from a TV show. Can we put up Mandy Van Tassel and Kate from Lost? And, uh, and step aside, Rooster, because Maverick has a new wingman. Can we bring up? His call sign is fantastic. And last but not least, my beautiful bride. Oh, stole my thunder. And her sidekick. So they're, they're armored up for battle, and we're armored up for battle too. We, we come with a, a sword of the, of the word and a shield of faith. And, uh, and she is my wonder woman. She's amazing. And uh, I'm just glad I get to bask in her glory. But um, I, wanted to, I wanted to share these, these doppelgangers because it, it, it's interesting to think about who we would project ourselves as or, or, or what projection of somebody else we most associate with. And, and you know, the last one especially, there's probably better doppelgangers out there for us, but, but I think it's important to look past just the surface because the image that I'm talking about in our image goes deeper than the surface. It's, it's not about looks. The, the ability for us to, to look into someone and say, I see qualities in them that I want, to, I want to replicate in myself. Or maybe can we look at ourselves from the perspective of, if, if I portray an image, when somebody else looks at me, do they want to replicate those qualities in their life? That's the kind of image that I want to talk about tonight. So my question for you is, who's your doppelganger? Who do you look like? But more importantly, why do you look like them? Why do you think that you look like them? What image perceptions do you have of yourself and what, what image perceptions do you have of, of this person or these persons? Paul said, uh, I imitate Christ, so imitate me. I'm going to do the best that I can to, to be like Christ, to be Christ-like, and I would encourage you to do as I do. Doesn't mean that, that Paul's perfect. No, he's not perfect. In fact, he made a lot of mistakes. He talks a lot about the mistakes that he made, but he's redeemed. So the image that he was is not the image that he is. The image that you and I were before Christ is not the image that we are now. We have to remind ourselves of that constantly. Why? Because the world is constantly trying to convince us that the image that we are now is just as bad as the image that was before. But we have mercy. We have his grace. The world is, is wrapped up in, in focusing on the wrong type of image. The world is, is so wrapped up in looking at the facade, looking at the external, like what is your physique like? How do you look? What is, what is the way that you dress? What type of car do you drive? What, what type of house do you live in? Where do you live? Do you live in a good part of town or a bad part of town? What, the world is so concerned with these external types of image, images. And I'm not saying that any of those things in and of themselves are necessarily wrong. It's not, it's not bad to take care of your body. 
It's not bad to, to dress well. It's not bad to, to, to go to work and have a job and earn a living so you can provide for your family and have a nice car and a nice house. None of those things are bad. But if we make those things our focus, then it's wrong. If we make that the image that we're striving for, then it's wrong. What is the image that we're striving for? The world tries to remake everything in its own image. In Exodus 20, God has given us the Ten Commandments. But then 13 chapters later, Exodus 33, Moses goes up onto the mountain and God writes these commandments on a tablet. And as he's doing that, the Israelites, his children, are breaking the very commandments that are being written on the tablets. They're making a golden calf in, in whatever image they deem appropriate. And it, it even says in, uh, in, in Exodus that, that Aaron, when he's trying to explain himself to Moses, you know, Moses is like, why are you doing this? Why are you letting the people do this? And, and Aaron says, well, they just, the people came to me and brought all their golden jewelry and I threw it all into the fire and out came this calf. It just, it just happened. That's the world, that's what the world tries to get us to believe is that these things just happen, that it's natural. It's natural to rage against the truth. It's natural to, to, to create God in our image versus the opposite, which is what it really means in our image. And I will read, read for you in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, and this is in the Amplified. Then God said, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make man in our image, in our image, according to our likeness. And if you have the Amplified, you can underline this. You can make a note in your phone because it adds something very powerful here. Not physical, but a spiritual personality and a moral likeness. A spiritual personality and a moral likeness. And let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and the cattle, and over the entire earth, and over everything that creeps and crawls on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image and likeness of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God said... Let us make man in our own image. The in our image that I'm talking about is not the image of mankind. It's not the image of male and female. It's the image of God. We were created in the image of God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in his image. The devil tries so hard to tear apart the image of God. He tries to corrupt the image of God. He tries to, to bring in uh, even from the beginning, he, he spoke to Eve and he said, has God really said, has God really said that when you eat of the fruit of this tree that, that you, will be, you will die? The devil told Eve, when you eat of the fruit, you will be like God. But what, what Adam and Eve didn't realize is that they were already like God. God already made them in his image. They didn't have to do anything extra to be like him. They were already like him. The world, the devil, they, it comes to, to steal, to kill, and destroy, and he comes to deceive. He is the father of lies. He tries to, to tell us that we have to do something extra to be, to be in the image of God, but God has already made us in his image. And this is some of the most basic principles he's come, he comes after, male and female. He tries to, to convince us that there's, that there's more than just male and female. He tries to, 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 to break down from the beginning what God had created, the image that God has created us in. He tries to distort the truth. In Romans 1, 18 to 23, it says this, but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth, 
about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so that they have no excuse for not knowing God. They have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks, and they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. Instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles or creeping things. Doesn't that ring a bell? Birds and animals and creeping things. It's ringing a bell for somebody. That's exactly what he said in Genesis 1 that we have authority over. We have authority over the birds and the animals and the creeping things. We're made in his image, so we already have authority over these things. Why are we trying to make God after the things that we have authority over? Why are we trying to form God out of, out of our own hands? It says that God can't be made out of mortal hands. You can't, you can't make an image of God and call it God, and it is God. We're made in his image, not the other way around. We can't let the world distort us from the truth. We have to put on Christ, the image and the likeness of God. But in order to do that, we must first lay down the corrupt images. We must lay down the distorted images. We must purge ourselves of the things, the misconceptions that we have about our image and ourself. And so I want to I pray right now, and I want to pray over some areas if there's anything that you have in your life fashioned as an image or an idol, then I want to pray that we can release that. If you've had a desire for something that is not of God, an image, a picture of, of maybe your persona or who you want to be or who you think you're supposed to be that doesn't line up with the word of God, then we can release that. If we've made unhealthy comparisons of ourselves with other people, now it says that we're supposed to imitate Paul as he imitates Christ. So there are some healthy comparisons that we can make. We can say, oh, you know, if, if I could only be as, as witty as Scott Isaacs, you know, if I could only be as cool as Chris Verrilli, if I only could be as fun as Jesse Houston. There are some healthy comparisons, but there's so many unhealthy comparisons. There's so many things that, that we see in other people and we desire to be like them but when we really get down to the root of it, it's not a healthy desire. And we, we see a lot of people that have success. We see a lot of people that, that have, have done really well. If I could only preach as well as Pastor Jurgen, But the, the truth is, do we really know the sacrifice that, that they've paid to, to attain that position? Do we know what they've put in? Do we know everything they've done, everything they've gone through to be in that place? Are we willing to pay the same price? Are we willing to sacrifice as they have? If you're called to, then it's a good thing, and you should do it. You should lay down your life. You should pick up your cross. You should make those sacrifices. You should strive to attain the greater gifts. You should work towards light. But there's some ways that we can, we can look at someone and, and think, oh, you know, it's not that I want to be like them, but I want to be them. When you look at somebody else and you say, I want to be them, then your image, your focus is misplaced. 
and it needs to be realigned. Maybe there's been some word curses spoken over you. People have said, oh, you're never going to amount to anything. You're not worth anything. You don't have any value. We can, we can hear those words and, and dwell on them and take them into our spirit, and they can cause pain. They can cause trauma. Well, thank God we have a, of a, a loving God who is able to, to break those word curses, who's able to cover up with grace that trauma. It doesn't mean we don't remember it anymore, but the sting, the pain of it is gone when we release that to him. Maybe there's some deceptive doctrines or teachings that you've been under. We should just tolerate everything. We should just love everyone. We should love people, but we should hate sin. Why? Because God hates sin. We should not tolerate everything under the sun. What you tolerate, you teach. I don't, I, I don't tolerate inappropriate behavior or inappropriate language for my children. That's not tolerated in our house because I don't want to teach them that. I don't want them to think that that's natural or that it's healthy or that it will produce a good life because I know it won't. So we can't tolerate the things that God doesn't tolerate. Maybe there's been self-loathing in your life. Maybe you hate the image that you believe is being projected to the world. It may not even be what the world sees, but it may be your perception of what the world sees you as or sees who you are. I want to pray for these things, and I, I want to pray for any other wrong images. We have to lay down these images of ourselves. We have to release them so that we can take up the right image. Just as we were in worship, I, uh, I saw an image of this mighty man over here, Zach. I, I saw this image of you running with your kids, no pain in your leg. I saw an image of you just, just happy, alive, and, and the wheelchair long gone. This, this accident long past you, the trauma of it does, is like a faint memory, but it doesn't, doesn't bear a burden anymore. God, I thank you for Zach. I thank you for this image of him running with his children, carrying them, playing with them. God, I thank you for your power released on him. God, I thank you for the touch of heaven, bringing in the fullness of everything that you have for him, the full capacity. God, give him this image of seeing himself up and out of that wheelchair, running around with his kids, laughing with them, playing with them, loving them. God, I thank you for this new image implanted in his spirit. The old image is gone. The old is gone. All things new in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for complete and total recovery expedite it. Bring it swiftly in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's a, there's a mighty man up in the back, and he, is, he has been with us on and off every location that we've been to. He doesn't, he doesn't like being in the lights, but he's a, uh, a sound engineer. His name is Scott Taylor, and he's brilliant. Everywhere we go, whether it's a tent, whether it's a bar, whether it's a high school, whether it's a, a brand new facility, he's been coming and making us sound way better than we actually are. He brings in that, that excellence in sound that, uh, that makes Chris really want to put everything on a CD. You're a mighty man, Scott. God has given you a gift. He's, he's trained up most of the people who run all of our soundboards from... Will Turner, everybody else, he's uh, accelerated the training. Like I think it used to take 
like eight or nine weeks to, to train somebody, and then he's brought it down to like two weeks. Just brilliance. You've been, you've been looked at in, in ways, Scott, that the, the world and even the church sees you a certain way. But God has put his image on the inside of you. He's given you a gift to, to engineer sound in a way that's, that's excellent. And it brings the best quality into the house of God. He knows you. He loves you. His image is on the inside of you. God, I thank you for this mighty man. I thank you for the image on the inside of him. Your true image, your true nature on the inside of him coming out every single day. God, I thank you that people would continue to see his true nature, his true image from the inside out, not the outside in. God, I thank you for opening doors in his life, business opportunities, that people are going to see him, and, and at first maybe they're not sure, but as they start to talk to him, they're going to realize that, that he has exactly what they need, that his brilliance, his gift that you have given him, that you put in his life, is going to increase their capacity, take them to the next level. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to pray over all of us right now. If, if, um, if there's an image that you've had of yourself or maybe an image that the world has had of you right now, if we could all bow our heads and close our eyes, what is the image that you need to release? What's the image that you need to let go of? What's the image that you've been holding on to for too long? What's the, the image that is keeping you back from taking those next steps? Maybe it's something from the inside of you. Maybe it's something external, an image that somebody else has projected on you. If you've had a desire for something that's not of God, if you've made something an idol in your life, then it's time to let it go. Don't try to be someone who you are not. Be who God has called you to be. Be who God has created you to be. Maybe you've come under some deceptive teachings and you have a distorted image of God. It's time to release that right now. If there's been any self-loathing or self-hate in your life, then there's healing in his arms. If that's you, anybody here today, every head bowed, every eye closed, you can just turn your palms to heaven or put a hand over your heart. Thank you, God, for releasing these images. I thank you, God, for restoring the rightful picture, the true identity of who each one of these amazing people are. God, I thank you for the touch of heaven in their lives. I thank you for releasing the corrupted image so that they can take hold of the true image, the true identity, the way that they were created, the way that you created them, the way that you created me, every one of us has to let go of the old and take hold of the new. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if we're, if we're releasing the old, what is the new image that we need to take up? What is, what is the image of God in our image, in his image? What does that mean? What is the image of God? What are we created to replicate? It's not in physical form. In Exodus 33.20, God tells Moses, no, no one has seen my face. So nobody can say, God is my doppelganger. Because nobody knows what God looks like. 
Nobody knows what his face looks like. People have, have seen the image of God, but not the face of God. And I think that's indicative of an inclusive God. It's God's will that none should perish, but that everybody should have relationship with him. So everybody can look like him. The first characteristic I want to talk about is a spiritual personality. The image of God is a spiritual personality, the spirit of God. Acts 2:17 to 18 says, "In the last days God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. In those days I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy." So, are we all supposed to be the same? Like if, if God is pouring out his spirit, we're made in the image of God, are we all supposed to be the same? We're not all supposed to be clones. We're not all supposed to be robots. We are all made in the image of God, but there's diversity in the image of God. I'll show you in Romans 12, 6 to 8. It says, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to use them accordingly. If someone has the gift of prophecy, let him speak a new message from God to his people in proportion to the faith possessed. If, if service in the act of serving, or he who teaches in the act of teaching, or he who encourages in the act of encouragement, he who gives with generosity, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy in caring for others with cheerfulness. The spirit of God in you will activate the personality of God in you. God has poured out his spirit onto all of us, all of, all of humanity. So who can receive it? The people who are compatible with his spirit. If we've, if we've submitted the corrupted image so that we have space to take up his image, then we can receive his personality, the spirit of God. God has, has called us to operate in these gifts. He's given, he's graced us with these gifts. See, we, we should all be encouraging. We should all show mercy. We all have the opportunity to lead from time to time. But what have you been graced for? What are the gifts that are innate within you that, that have been there from the beginning? My parents when, you know, said that when I was little, I would just go out into the neighborhood and play with kids, and, and I would kind of just start taking charge. Like that leadership gift is something that God has, has graced me with. It's just a, a, an innate ability, an innate characteristic. But if I, if I chose to, to lay down that, lay down what I was graced with to go after something else, Maybe I see a grace gift in somebody else and I say, oh, I want that. But that's not what I'm graced for. It doesn't mean I can't be encouraging. It doesn't mean I can't lead. It doesn't mean I can't give with generosity. But we've got we've to focus not on what we don't have, but what we do have. If you're faithful with the little things, then God will give you much. What do you have? What have you been graced with? What are the gifts that God has poured out into you? We know that love is the greatest gift. Love is the greatest gift. We look most like God when we operate according to the grace given to us by God. That's how we operate in his image. We operate in love. But what is love? Verse 9 says, love is to be sincere and active, the real thing without guile and hypocrisy, to hate what is evil, detest all ungodliness, do not tolerate wickedness, hold tightly to what is good. We're most like God when we operate in the grace that God has given us. We're least like God when we cling to what is not good. If we cling to that old image, that old self, if we cling to the wickedness, then we're least like God. And the second characteristic that we want to, I want to talk about briefly as we come to a close 
So we, we, we are in the image of God, the, the spiritual personality of God, and then we're also in the moral likeness. The moral likeness of God. Morality. This is your conscience, your mind, your will, your emotions. There's diversity in the personality of God, the different graces. The trinity of God even. There's diversity in God himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But there's unity in the mind of God. There's commonality. This is how we're the same. God has said, I've given you the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2.16. So we, we put on this new self-image. We put on Christ. We put on this armor of light. So now we have a, a new image of ourselves. We have a new self-image. In Colossians 3, in verse 2, it says, Set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on the things that are on the earth, which have only temporal value. And then jumping down to verse 8, but now rid yourself completely of all these things, anger and rage and malice and slander and obscene, abusive, filthy, vulgar language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, for you have stripped off the old self with its evil practices, and you have put on the new spiritual self who is being continually renewed in true knowledge, in the image of him who created the new self. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, nor between nations, whether barbarian or Scythian, nor, what, nor in status, whether slave or free. But Christ is all and in all. So believers are equal in Christ without distinction. This is how we're the same. The likeness. In our image is the same likeness with God and the same likeness with each other. When done rightly. We need to like and dislike the same things that God likes and dislikes, which means we should like and dislike the same things that, that other believers like and dislike. The problem is, for about 2,000 years, Christians can't agree on what to like and dislike. We've been arguing about it since these words were written, what to like and dislike. But see, that's the problem. I don't have to convince you to like what I like, and you, you don't have to convince me to, to like or dislike what you like. But if we both like and dislike what God likes, then we're in agreement. That's what we need to do. All the churches around the world, if we just stop deciding what we want to like and what you should dislike or what you should like. But if we all like what God likes, then we're all in agreement. Then we're all in harmony. So I want to come to a close now. Why don't we stand up and I want to pray again that we can come into agreement. As Christians, we don't have to agree with each other on every single thing, but we're called to agree with God. We've put off the old image. Some amazing people got baptized today, put off the old image, and, and they put on this new image of Christ. I want to pray today, if there's anybody here, if you've never received the new image of Christ, you are a new creation. To have access to the, to the gifts of God, to have access to the Spirit of God, you have to say yes to the Son of God. You have to say yes to Jesus Christ. And then as you say yes to Jesus Christ, that opens up the Spirit of God. It opens up the spiritual personality of God. It opens up the moral likeness of God. When you receive Jesus Christ... The Spirit of God is going to convict you about things in your life. I don't have to tell you. Nobody else has to tell you what's right and wrong. When you receive Jesus, your spirit, his spirit that is now in you, will convince you of what is wrong. 
if you've had difficulty activating one of the gifts in your life, if you've had difficulty moving in the gifts, in the spirit, then I'd like to pray for you as well. If there's been confusion in your mind about, about teachings from different churches or different pastors or, or what the media says or what anybody says, maybe even friends says, maybe even family says, and you're confused about the morality of God, then I want to pray for you as well. So right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, first I want to pray for anybody here today. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never said yes to him, but you're ready right now to put on that new image, his image, then I'd love to pray with you. If that's you tonight, would you just lift up your hand? You know that you need to put on that new image of Jesus. Lay off the old, take up the new. God bless you. I see that hand in the middle. God bless you. Is there anyone else here today? You need to say yes to that new image. Maybe, maybe you're here today and, and at some point in your life you, you said a prayer to receive Jesus, but you know that the image that you're, you're walking with right now is not his image. And you know that right now you need to rededicate your life to him. If that's you, I'd love to pray with you as well. God bless you. I see that hand. Is there anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. See that hand. God bless you. Thank you, sir. In the back. Anyone else? You know that you need to put on that new image. You need to rededicate your life to him. God bless you. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you so much. Why don't we do this? Let's all say these words together. Everybody here tonight, just repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son. Jesus Christ, in your image, to die for my sins. Right now, I repent of my sins. I believe that I was made in the image of God, in his likeness. And with his spirit, I receive his personality, the ability to make right choices, the ability to live a moral life, a godly life in his image, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.